0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at Joe JoeOrico99 and also at the Ethos Fantasy BB page. That's where all of our new baseball content gets posted, whether it be podcasts, articles, different news and notes. Go check out all of our new stuff there, and you can get it right at the source as well at SportsEthos.com. Now, today we are doing another team preview. We are joined by another very special guest to the show, someone from the Baseball HQ family. And Baseball HQ has always been very kind to me uh, coming on this show. And, of course, Baseball HQ is behind some of the most exciting events in the fantasy baseball industry. And one of them just wrapped up. He's going to tell us about that a little bit in a second here. Mr. Brent Hershey, he is the GM of content over at Baseball HQ one of the editors over uh, for the Baseball Forecaster and the Minor League Baseball Analyst. Both are absolute must-haves if you do not have them. So You can check them out over on Twitter, at Brent HQ. Brent, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Yeah, Joe, excited to uh, join your uh, podcast here. Appreciate the invite and looking uh, looking forward to uh, conversing a little bit.
0: Yeah, uh, the Phillies are one of the, for me, one of the most interesting teams in all of baseball. I mean, you look at this lineup – It's about as deep as it gets, and you have to also consider that Bryce Harper is not even there right now. The Mm -hmm. rotation has two of the absolute best right at the top and also you know fairly deep going down, and then you guys have (laughs) as many closers as any team in baseball could possibly need. (laughs) So I think you guys are pretty well taken care of, um, but we're going to get into that in just a second. Before we get going, though, do you want to just let anybody who might not know who you are, uh, let them know what you do, where you can be found and everything like that?
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, I run the, uh, we run baseball HQ, um, my partner Ray Murphy and I, uh, handle all the day-to-day stuff. Uh, we took over for founder Ron Chandler, uh, six, eight years ago, something like that, I believe the day-to-day part of it. Um, I handle most of the content side of it. So work with, uh, the, uh, the four dozen or so write freelance writers uh, that contribute different parts of that throughout the season. Um, once spring training starts through uh, the end of the regular season, we have new stuff up there every day. Uh, obviously, right now it's all um, kind of, uh, I mean, draft sort of centric. Uh, the news and uh, player evaluations, all that kind of stuff. Uh, once we get into the season, it's a lot of uh, seasonal things. Um, so I'm the uh, kind of the content editor for that, work with the writers, get it all, get things polished up and um, published like that. Uh, then, like as you mentioned, during the uh, off-season, I, uh, along with Ray, co-edit uh, the Ron Chandler's Baseball Forecaster. Uh, and then after that's completed, uh, work with uh, Chris Blessing and our minor league team that put together the minor league baseball analysts to uh publications that are both uh you know uh that we're both proud of and that we put out there for that, that are very fantasy centric uh as far as the major league uh population and the prospects you all need to know about and um i uh yeah that that's kind of a wrap of of what i of what i do
0: well as the people who listen to this show regularly will know i cannot stop talking about first pitch arizona and one of the great perks that comes from going to those events, or Arizona in particular, is you get a copy of the forecaster and the minor yeah. league analyst. And yeah. they have been absolutely vital to my draft prep this season. So if you guys have not already got one, I would go and do it and for sure make uh, make note of it for next season to get one. And hell, go out to Arizona, go out to the first pitch forums because those are a lot of fun. I met a lot of people like yourself there in person, yeah. Some people who I'd met before online and some people who were brand new to me, but it's truly one of the best experiences that I've had. I was talking to a couple people recently on podcasts. And I'm saying it literally like not to be too dramatic, but it's almost a life changing experience to go down there <laughs> and get to talk with some of the brightest baseball people in the world. So highest possible recommendation uh, for you guys to go down to Arizona and Florida, which just finished up as well. Yeah. Uh, definitely two places you guys should be checking out there.
1: Yeah, we have a, we have a good time putting those events together. They're both kind of week on, uh, weekend events. Um, and just we, uh, put together panels, um, with, uh, different writers and analysts that I'm sure your, uh, your listeners are all familiar with. Um, everything from kind of game strategy sort of specific things to general, uh, player evaluations. Um, we're at the Arizona Fall League in November. Uh, so that one often takes a uh, young player or prospect sort of uh, focus. Uh, where we have some scouts that are uh, both public and team scouts that are uh, part of the program uh, and share some stuff. And uh, that's definitely a, a highlight. Like you said, that the dates for that this year are uh, the first weekend in November. Uh, I think it's the 3rd to the 5th. Uh, yeah, third, uh, second starting Thursday night, second to the fifth uh, of November. And then uh, we, in the past few years, have just started the uh, First Pitch Florida events in spring training. And like you, as you mentioned, we just got back from that. Uh, I just got back from that yesterday. Uh, that's where the labor industry drafts take place. Uh, and a very similar, uh, we check out a spring training game as part of the, uh, the weekend uh, as a group. And uh, have some other panels. that's a little more uh, a little more draft focused as obviously we are this time of year. So uh, both of those events are uh, fun fun to do, just because you're uh, you're just reminded of of uh, the cool community we have here. Uh, both the writers uh, that come out for these things, but also just you know just average Joe fantasy baseball <laughs> fans uh, that are able to come. And kind of immerse themselves in, in this topic uh, for those individual weekends. So uh, that's my little uh, first pitch, pitch, let's say. Uh, and uh, appreciate uh, appreciate you coming out certainly this year. It was, it was fun to fun to meet you in Arizona. And uh, I don't know about life changing, but it's uh, it's <laughs> definitely it's definitely a highlight uh, for a lot of us uh,
0: awesome for- of the year. For someone like me who is still kind of new to this whole world, to be able to sit down at the bar and look to your left and look to your right and there's just so much knowledge, you want to just set up a recording device and just (laughs) absorb all of the information. And plus, you get to see a lot of cool players. This year it was Jordan Walker who was kind of the highlight. Exactly, yeah. Looking forward, and I think the year prior it was Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Mm -hmm. Wood Jr. and those names. So uh, there's so many different reasons to to get out to Arizona. For sure, I'm going to be back next year. I wonder who – who we'll get to see in terms of prospects that might come onto the scene next year Um, in terms of this year and these Philadelphia Phillies, there's a lot to like. I know that you might have a slightly different view rooting for the team. Obviously there is different, different emotions that go into it when you are the one cheering for the team. But if you look at this lineup, top to bottom, it looks pretty damn good starting off with the new shiny toy. And that would be Trey Turner who got a massive deal. He's going to be there for the rest of his career now there's some worry. Some people have first year of a new contract. You want to stay away from players because they might take the foot off the gas a little bit, adjust them to new environments. A couple of different reasons why people might want to stay away from certain players. Do you have any of those kind of concerns with Trey Turner in 2023?
1: Uh boy, I, I don't really. Um, and part of it is just uh seeing in these kind of in this in these week or these couple of months since he signed the contract kind of uh, getting a better sense of sort of who he is as a player and a person, um, just basically seems to really fit in uh, with the team, uh, not demanding a lot of attention, uh, being okay with kind of uh, under the radar and a, and a familiarity with, um, with both like, uh, Bryce Harper, uh, who they who he played with in uh, Washington, of course, for many years, uh, as well as the. Uh, hitting coach, which I think we'll get into a lot <laughs> here in this session. Uh, and that's Kevin Long, uh, who, uh, you know, has has, has been a uh, premier hitting coach at a couple of different stops. stops. Uh, Washington won, um, spent some time with the Yankees, and is uh, now in Philadelphia, and uh, who just has, I think, has had a lot to do kind of with their with um, the team's gelling and their late season run in 2022 the second to the world Series. so but back to turner i think uh it just it seemed like a natural fit they they really had a, a spot at shortstop um they the team talked about and and it was kind of known that they would be players for uh you know one of these top four shortstops and i think they identified turner as their number one choice and kind of went after it and got him. And I think uh, certainly from a fantasy perspective, uh, the ability to get on base, the, uh, you know, the power, I think that he's developed a little more than what we thought um, when he was a younger player, uh, just being in front of, of all these bombers behind, behind him. I think there's just a really, uh, you know, a good chance that uh, he just continues to put up a uh, pretty, pretty nice numbers across the board um you know it, it, from a fantasy perspective
0: i think 20 home runs like you said the power has kind of come around more so in recent years he had 28 of them in 2021 uh, he came back down to 21 this season but all the different public projection systems have him going for at least 20 i think that's a fairly safe bet i
1: yeah. think
0: 100 i think 100 runs is all but guaranteed at the top of that lineup like you alluded to uh you know these last couple of seasons 101 107 Uh, The short season, he only had 46, which is whatever. Uh, 2019, it was 96, 103. It's just kind of what he does. He puts up 100 runs. So 100 runs, 20 homers, and then the stolen bases are interesting as well. Uh, There's been some people who have noticed that they've kind of gone down a little bit in recent years for Turner. Mm -hmm. He was leading off, or not really leading off top of the lineup for the Dodgers uh, last season, anywhere from one to three. He didn't need to run so much in such a prolific offense to generate runs. They were able to do that naturally uh, more so than having to generate them on the base paths. I think with the rules, uh, with the with the pickoff rules, with the bigger bases, I think we could see him get back to 30 stolen bases. You think that's reasonable to expect that?
1: uh yeah I do uh you know, and I look at his i mean the the Phillies last year anyway were very uh uh you know somewhat aggressive, especially with the guys that they knew um could steal and Turner's you know always had a high stolen base percentage uh eighty five percent for his career uh so i don't I don't think it's like other like in some other context where you might say oh you know we've got these great hitters behind them uh we're going to kind of pull back the reins on the on the green light i think they'll i think with his uh smarts and success rate in the past and uh you know the metrics that we have certainly um and i think stack agrees sort of the sprint speed and all that is still there i think there's i think there's a good chance that he'll run uh especially with these new rules and i would yeah, I would be uh, – I'd certainly think 30 bases is, is in play again this year.
0: I think the floor is probably 25. I mean, and he hasn't even had as few as 25 literally ever. Like, this right. was the lowest number he's given us over a full season was 27. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, 30, even possibly more, uh, is, is possible for Trey Turner. The last thing I'll ask you about him is – you come up with the number one pick. Let's call it as high of a stakes draft as as you wish. Would you take Trey Turner first overall this season? Uh,
1: I, I it's certainly a strong consideration. Yeah, um, I i uh, i think that uh, i think that him uh, Jose Ramirez uh, largely or somewhat because of the position scarcity stuff and Acuna are all uh, really close in that top three. Um, so I, I think certainly Trey is a, is a, is a great choice again, partially because of just this lineup these he's in and the multifaceted ways he has to gain you sort of fantasy, uh, numbers. Uh, and I, you know, I think it's, you know, it's not, you know, it's not out of the question or it's not crazy to think that he just goes nuts. Uh, gets on base steals 30 you know uh the the offense gets rolling he scores 110 120 um you know and that's i don't i don't think that that's out of the out of the realm of possibility and um you know you try to think about that when you're rostering these guys sort of what what could happen floor and ceiling and i just
0: think he has a lot of both yeah, I think that he is about as safe of a pick as it gets at the top of the draft. Ronald Acuna, there's still, you know, he's a year removed now from the ACL, but there is still, you know, yeah. the power wasn't quite what it should have probably been last year. Jose Ramirez also dealt with some injury problems last year. As much as I'd like to take care of third base and outfield before shortstop, I don't think there is a safer pick first overall than Trey Turner. If we look back at the end of the year yeah. and he's number one on the player raider, there's not going to be anybody who, who is surprised by that at all. Right. Um, but yeah. going on to the number two hitter here in this lineup, that is Kyle Schwarber, who's coming off of a career year himself. Despite the low batting average, he gave you 46 homers, hundred runs. He even stole 10 bases last season, which was kind of out of nowhere. What are mm-hmm. your thoughts on Kyle Schwarber for this season? Everybody seems to think 40 home runs and hundred RBIs is a given for him.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's kind of in that range. I mean, it. Uh, I, I do wonder a bit, um, you know, if, if last year was, was a career year for him. Um, but I think he's at, you know, at a good spot, certainly with, um, probably figuring that he's batting number two. Um, so, you know, even though he had 94 RBIs last year, um, you know, he could well, uh, match, I think, or top that with, with Turner kind of on base in front of him. Uh, I do think the batting average will go up some. I think he'll be one of these guys that's, that's, that's helped by the reduced shift rules. Um, there were, uh, you know, quite a number of pulled, hard-hit balls that, uh, you know, were gobbled up by the by the second baseman playing in deep right field, you know, in, or in shallow right field. Uh, so some of those I think will get through. Um you know, I think it's still hard to know exactly how much uh how much that will affect uh certain guys' batting averages um but I'm really comfortable with Schwarber, too i think the i do think the two eighteen batting average um last year uh is a you know is a bit of an anomaly there's a lot of swing and miss there certainly um but i think uh I think that that'll probably uh head northward head northward some um, and he should continue to be a really productive player.
0: You're okay with him in that fourth round kind of range in the mid 50s overall.
1: I think so. I mean, it's uh, you know, I, I think that's a good that's a good spot for him. Um, it may be a little dependent on, uh, you know, maybe a little team dependent because of the even with the batting average is going to improve. I don't think it's, it's not going to be an average batting average or a plus batting average certainly. You don't want to get uh, i i for i don't want to get caught with a couple of those guys early on um but i think kind of where he's gone and and the power and some of the you know maybe some of the rbi upside uh i think that that's a fine spot for him really
0: the steals are what really puzzled me uh he had never had more than four steals in any season beforehand and that was in 2018 the projections are calling from anywhere from about four to eight steals. With yeah. I just I wouldn't be surprised if it's zero or two. I mean, if it's ten again, then that would surprise me a little bit. I just have no real expectation. I don't have a number in mind uh, yeah. that I'm exactly expecting with Shore, but It could be anywhere from zero to ten, and I wouldn't really be shocked with any of them.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. I mean, it is it is certainly the case. Uh, you know, he was he was one guy certainly that was helped or, or who, uh, you know, who benefited, I think from this, uh, Phillies, uh, I don't want to call it emphasis, but their ability to find guys to make it, uh, there, I mean, his success rate was 91% uh, last year after, you know, kind of really hovering in the fifties and below before. So again, it wasn't that they sort of did come out of nowhere. You really couldn't have expected that. Um, I think that's, uh, you know a similar sort of uh expectation we should have is that there could be a wide wide range. I think you know I wouldn't expect to get into double digits, but like you said, I think it could fall uh into a wide range there um you know kind of in that single digits somewhere.
0: Yeah uh I wouldn't expect double digits if that's something you're looking at with Schwarber and you see he had 10 steals last year. I wouldn't use that as a reason for drafting him. You're getting elite power and great run and RBI totals. Yeah. Don't look at the steals as something that's t- probably going to be too sticky. Even with the new rules, uh, Schwarber's a big boy. I don't think we're going to see 10, 12 steals from him again. Oh, right. um, but as we go down this lineup, right now, currently projected to bat third, according to fan graphs, is Reese Hoskins. Now, I'm guessing it'll probably be Bryce Harper when he is healthy there. Um, is that what you would expect, The Harper would slot into the third when, spot when he's yeah. back?
1: Yeah, I'm not totally sure how they're going to deal with that. Uh, Manager uh, Rob Thompson has talked about liking kind of breaking up the the right, you know, the uh, alternating right-handed, left-handed batters. So I don't know that, uh, you know, I don't know that Harper will automatically slot there. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting once he's healthy, <laughs> how they how they attack that. Uh, I, you know, you certainly want Harper up in that lineup, um, so, and so I think it'll either be, yeah, you'll either be, he'll decide that those two lefties are fine, Schwarber, Harper, two, three, or, um, you know, there even was some talk at one point of, uh, just keeping Schwarber in the, in the first spot where he hit last year, hit Turner second, and then come back with Harper third. So, um, it's tough to say, uh, what, how they're going to, how how they're going? How Thompson's going to work that out when he has everyone healthy?
0: Yeah, I mean, despite the fact that Trey Turner might hit a hundred points higher than Kyle Schwarber, Kyle Schwarber walks about twice as often as Turner does, yeah. so their on base percentages are essentially a wash. Mm-hmm. It could be Schwarber, Turner, uh, Harper, and then Hoskins, and then they would get that kind of mix of lefty and righty. Yeah. Um, but for right now, it is Reese Hoskins in the third spot. Yeah. I love Reese Hoskins because you pretty much you can write his stats down in pen essentially before the season. 25, 27 homers, 80 runs, 80 RBIs. The batting average isn't going to be great, but you know, 245, 250 range. Mm-hmm. Personally, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. He's a big target of mine. But where do you stand on Reese Hoskins?
1: Yeah, I think he's, uh, I mean, here in in Philly, I mean, there's sometimes it's sort of a positive and negative. I mean, he's a great guy, been part of the team a long time. I think there's a certain amount of people that feel like He should be doing more uh, than what he has. Um, I think it was really good to see him uh, be healthy the whole year uh, in 2022. He'd had, you know, had had some uh, injuries in 2021 and, you know, sort of held him back some. Uh, But yeah, like you said, he's a solid, you know, 250, 25 to 30 home run guy. Um, Again, sort of being in the middle of that lineup, it's, He does go through uh, stretches, you know, where he's really hot and really cold. And you even saw that in the postseason last year, had a couple big home runs, but also uh, struggled at times. Um, So he's, you know, one of their uh, out of out of the big bats they have. He's one of their guys that can tend to be a little bit more inconsistent um, from. You know, from kind of month to month, or however you want to break it down, uh, but you're right that um, during during full seasons, uh, the numbers, you know, you can kind of bank on at the end of the season, sort of the those sorts of numbers uh, being there. Um, so yeah, I think I think that Hoskins is in a, is in a fairly good spot. It'll be really interesting to see. Uh, you know, on, on a non-fantasy side, this is the final year of his contract. They've got other bunch of other guys locked up. Um, he is, like I said, sort of a, in some aspects, sort of a fan favorite because he's been there so long. He's a great guy in the community. Uh, I'll be interested to see uh, if they, if or how hard they pursue kind of, uh, you know, signing him beyond this year uh, or or perhaps they let him walk on you know they have some they have some options and certainly some decisions to make in that light.
0: It'll be interesting. He's going to be 30 years old um, in about 10 days, so maybe they don't want to give a massive contract to a first baseman who is going to be mm-hmm. on the wrong side of 30. And that being said, the other side there would be it's a contract year for Reese Hoskins. Every now and then, somebody finds a little bit of extra juice in a contract year. Maybe we see him push up closer to 40 home runs, yeah. and then maybe he forces their hand a little bit. Um, I, I personally think he's very reasonably priced as, you know, he's going to about pick 125 off yeah. the board. Uh, I I'm personally waited for him in a couple of drafts and happily took him in that range. I think that that's, you know, even though you're not getting great stolen base numbers, you might throw in a couple. The batting average is essentially, essentially about league average at this point, 240 mm-hmm. some odd, maybe even a touch above league average, which is kind yeah. of scary. Um, but I just love, <clears throat> I love the consistency that you're getting with the home runs year in and year out. I think in that spot in the lineup, whether he's batting third or fourth, I don't think it's crazy to think he could get 100 RBIs. I think that maybe that's the best-case scenario. Um, but we saw him have 96 before in 2018. He's been in the 80 range a couple other times. I yeah. think that that is the upside um, that could be there in that lineup for Reese Hoskins. Am I crazy to think that?
1: No, I think that's that's very possible. And he certainly has the, the strength. And if he finds a little bit more consistency, I mean – he could, you know, he could also really approach 35 plus home runs too. Um, the, the one really, I think really positive thing from last year is that, uh, for the one, two, three, for the four years previous, he was over a 50% fly ball, uh, percentage, um, which of course bodes well for the power, but, um, also sort of you know i think once you i think there's been studies that once you kind of get beyond that 50 percent fly ball percentage i mean your your babbitt babbitt just comes down um and and really affects your batting average uh you know can affect your batting average in a negative way so then i mean last year hit more line drives um and, and and had a fly ball percentage down in the 42 percent range uh power continued to be real strong as home run for fly was strong um, so I think that's a that's a positive uh, for him to keep that fly ball percentage, uh, you know, if he can kind of in that mid to upper 40s range as opposed to over
0: 50 percent. I think that's going
1: uh, to could bode well for him
0: uh, going forward. He's interesting. He's definitely somebody that I'm targeting. Um, but if we keep going next up in this lineup, it is JT Real Muto. And he's somebody who I don't really know how to feel about. His price is very different depending on if it's a two-catcher league or a one-catcher league. We're seeing him as a second-round pick pretty routinely in those NFBC-style two-catcher formats. I worry a little bit that he might have peaked in terms of stolen bases. Uh, The batting average was about what you can expect from him. The home run's you know, pretty similar to what we can expect as well. I just worry that we won't see him steal 21 bases again, which is where a lot of that value gets pushed up from, the fact that he's a catcher who can steal, even if he goes back down to 12 or 13, I think it'll be okay. I just don't see him returning second round value necessarily. Where are you, where are you at on JT Real Muto?
1: Uh, I'm a little bit, I mean, I'm at the same spot there. I think that 21 stolen bases has a lot to do with his, you know, 30 plus uh, dollar value earned dollar value last year. Um, And while he's always had, uh, he's always had good speed and has always stolen bases been been uh good at is a stolen base efficiency wise uh i do think that that's you know that 21 is and and given that he's 32 years old i do think that 21 is probably going to end up being his uh career best in the stolen base line and i do i do somewhat agree that i think that that the, that, that stolen base uh level from last year, I think is sort of inflating his price a little bit to a spot that's, uh, that's sort of tough to, you know, tough to gain back uh, what you're spending, what you're uh, spending on him there. If you're taking him uh, in that late second round of like 15 teamers. Um, So I think it's a tricky, yeah, it's, it's a tricky, uh, tricky spot to be in. Uh, I do think, You know, he provides plus batting average and certainly, you know, around 20 home runs uh, last year with 75 runs and 84 RBIs. I think that's that's around, uh, you know, what kind of what you can expect. But, um, you know, if you bump the uh, bump the stolen bases uh, back down even to the, you know, 16, 15 to 18 range or something like that, I think that uh, that backs off his uh, his expected value some.
0: Yeah, he's still my number one catcher in my in my catcher rankings. Yeah. I just think you're getting that five category consistency that you know, even if it is ten stolen bases, you're still getting that where you're not getting it from any other catcher except for maybe Dalton Barshow. Right. I just don't know if it's necessarily you know second round worthy in a 15 team or for me personally, if you're playing on those more shallow sites and I've done a couple of Yahoo mock drafts and ESPN mock drafts, you're getting him in like the 50s. Those are one catcher leagues. I think that's more reasonable. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't want to be paying up, especially in a year where catcher is perceived. And I think it is uh, a little bit deeper than typically uh, You're getting guys who are in, you know, the late one hundreds, early two hundreds that I feel pretty comfortable with. I don't know that you need to to spend a second on real Muto as much as I like him. uh, Like you mentioned 32 years old, he's in his, his age 33 season or no, actually, excuse me. I guess he will technically be because his birthday isn't a week as well. So he'll be 32 years old. I just don't, I don't really see him getting back to those same stolen base numbers, which is a huge part of where the value comes from uh, with Real Mudo. Now, Nick Castellanos, he is the projected number five hitter in this lineup. Disappointing season last year, to say the least. I think there's a buying opportunity considering the price, considering what we know he is capable of. Uh, what are your thoughts on Nick Castellanos for 2023?
1: I uh, totally agree. Totally agree. Castellanos is going... Uh, I've been snapping him up uh, where he's been uh, where his ADP has been kind of all the winter. Uh, I think that uh, I think that given the track record that he's had um, and the age he has, he's, he'll be, he'll be playing his age 31 season. Uh, and the lineup that he's in and this ballpark that he's in, I think that he is just uh, I, I think this is an easy bounce back candidate. Um, and I think, you know, even even something along the lines of uh, 2019 or 2021, where you know he was hitting between 290-300 with 30 homers and uh, you know anywhere from 90 to 100 RBIs and and runs scored. Uh, you know, I know some of I mean I, I know those happened in uh, Cincinnati, but this is a great ballpark too. Uh, the the lineup, again, we just keep going back to that, is so strong. I think they're going to have, you know, runners on for him uh, uh, like crazy. And I just uh, – I'm just a big believer uh, that we may well see, yeah, you know, like I said, a return to the 285, 290, 30 home run, 85, you know, runs 85 plus runs scored, uh, RBI and runs scored uh, in that range. Um, there was – a you know, there was some, this was a guy that sort of came here on a, on a big contract. Uh, it was, you know, it was kind of a, a rushed off season. They didn't sign until after the lockout. Uh, he had an, you know, it's soft factors, but he had a new kid. Uh, and I think there was some other stuff at least to the eye. He was certainly, certainly one of these guys that gotten a little bit of a rut. Um, also, you know, took, I think, uh, a ball off his hand at some point uh in may or june and the numbers went down from there i think and then just at that point just snowballed uh just really pressing uh i think with the you know with a new year kind of a reset like that um and again the age the skill level we've seen from him the park the lineup i just think uh i expect to i expect a big year out of castellanos
0: yeah, I think that we'll see something similar to what we were, like you talked about, like 2019. I think we he's more RBIs, only had 73 RBIs that year. I could see him, again, and you can make an argument for like three or four different players in this lineup that they're going to get close to 100 RBIs. Schwarber, you could make it. Hoskins, you could make it. Castellanos, like probably not Real Muto, but there is so much firepower in this lineup. And there's something I saw recently about Castellanos, and it must, I don't know who said it. Nobody of note, I don't think. I think it was some random Twitter person. I said, well, you know, of course he's leaving Cincinnati. He's not going to be the hitter he was in Cincinnati. He was a great hitter in Detroit in a horrible ballpark for many years with great power. So it's Mm -hmm. not like, you know, he's done it in a great ballpark. He's done it in a horrible ballpark. Now he's in a pretty all right ballpark that has tons of weapons around him uh, that yeah. we haven't really seen from him since the detroit years some of those yeah. earlier detroit years for him so you know 25 30 home runs close to 85 90 runs 85 90 rbis and that batting average should push up you know historically he's a 276 hitter for his career 263 this year in a horrible season it was a horrible year for him he still batted 263 i think 280 is very reasonable to expect across the board I think we'll see a bump, and I think the price at 123 right now. He's going pretty much the exact same pick as Reese Hoskins. I I love both of them right there, but Castellanos, particularly, uh, I think there is a lot of value to be had in that draft pick. I really do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just think for him, as opposed to Hoskins or opposed to Schwarber, I mean, not I mean, you know, different types of players. I mean, for him, it's just he's shown the uh, ability to hit the batting average that that those guys have not in his career. Um, his contact rates are, are fine. His hard hit rates are, you know, continue to be really good, uh, barrels, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I just, I just think again, again, and the age where he's at, uh, there's, there's not, there's not room or there's not, uh, it's not a spot where you would say, oh, he's, you know, he's past his prime. He's heading on the downside of his curve. I mean, he's, he's 31. And I think, uh, I just think I'm just.
0: I'm just counting on a ba- on a bounce back for sure. Yeah, I'm totally there with you, Lockstep. Now, next up is Derek Hall. I'm not sure how much he is going to play once Bryce Harper is fully healthy. He should be probably occupying the DH slot most, most days. But there is still yeah. some promise that we saw. Tons of power in the minor leagues, even when he was yeah. called up last season. 42 games, he had nine home runs, albeit with a 31% K rate. But where do you stand right now uh, on Mr. Derek Hall?
1: Yeah, I think I think the main thing uh, is that I think that 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 DH when Harper is out is sort of still to be determined. Uh, so I don't know if it's going to be Hall. I mean, it it could it could be. And you're right. Uh, he certainly is hit with a ton of power um, throughout the minor leagues. Um, the thing the thing that worries me a bit or I'm not sure about it, I shouldn't say worries me. Is just uh, you know he's a he's a first base DH only guy. Um, they have you know of course they have Hoskins they have uh, Bohm who's who can play some first too. Um, and and when everyone's healthy they they have a you know they have a DH too uh, depending whether it's Harper whether it's Castellanos, that kind of thing. Um, and so and, you know there's and there was just a lot of swing and miss. Uh, along with that, with those uh, nine home runs and that 136 at-bats, as you say. So I, um, I'm sort of lukewarm. He's had a, he's had a good early spring so far. Um, And, and, uh, you know, the fact that uh, he's been working with Kevin Long to kind of uh, improve some swing decisions and that kind of thing is a positive. Um, But for me, it's still, I want to, I want to kind of see it uh, on, you know, on the major league field uh, against, against major league competition uh, before I buy in too hard Paul, someone certainly that's fine. If you're into, uh, to me, if you're into kind of a draft and hold situation or you have deep bench sort of thing, or uh, an an NL only league, um, you know, to sort of take a shot on there. Um, But I, I, I have I have been hesitant to kind of in a normal fab league, uh mixed league, that kind of thing to uh to go out of my way to uh speculate here. Um it, it's a uh yeah, it's just uh, it's just a uh an interesting interesting spot. I think there's there's promise there, but uh I think there's some risk as well.
0: Yeah, I don't know how much of a role he is truly gonna have throughout the season. A lot of the projections are calling for 50, 60 games, roughly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's really going to play so much, but at the same time, he's not going until about pick 600 in your draft and holds, like you mentioned, so he might yeah. be somebody you can speculate on later on. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe he hits the ground running. Maybe Bryce Harper takes a little bit longer than we expect. Eh, who knows? Maybe we do get 20 home runs out of him. It's I think it's within the range of outcomes, for sure. It might come with kind of a poor batting average, not many periphery stats because he will probably be at the bottom ish part of that lineup six yeah. or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like you said, I think you said it perfectly in a draft and hold. That's, that's the spot where I would be taking a chance on him uh, yeah. he's projected here to bat above Alec Bohm. Yeah. Do you think that that would be the case come season. Uh, no,
1: <laughs> I don't. I think if, I think if Hall's in the lineup, uh, he's more of a seven or eight hitter, um, who they're putting down there. um, so i i would kind of disagree with that the, the, i mean i guess the other you know looking at the, the i guess part of the problem too is that when harper is out there's no other for sure kind of uh dh to go in there uh yeah. um Russell resource has harrison you know possibly josh harrison going in there as a right hander against lefties um i guess that's possible i mean they do like what they've seen out of uh Edmundo Sosa um, as a backup infielder, he's certainly going to make the team, and I think there is a little bit of juice in that in that bat. But again, uh, it's tough. And, and the other one that they have projected uh, on the bench is Jake Cave. Um, th- that's possible, but he's also a left-hander, so there's not a natural platoon there either. So it, it could well be that uh, you know that if if they're not comfortable with Hall. Maybe there's a uh, late spring training trade or something like that to kind of find another sort of outfield bat, uh, reserve bat, that they can uh, either mix with Hall in a platoon or uh, take on a more, uh, you know, a more regular role as a DH if, if they feel Hall is not uh, quite up to the task.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Now, I mentioned Alec Bohm. Uh, He's going to be batting probably sixth, I think, in that lineup. Like you said, uh, sixth somewhere in that middle-slash-bottom like part thing. of the order. Mm-hmm. Um, I, A lot of people are disappointed in Alec Bohm last year. When you look at his stats, end of season, he had 13 homers, maybe a mm-hmm. few less than you would have hoped for, but he had 79 runs, 72 RBIs, and he batted 280.
1: Yeah. I was
0: happy to have him on a couple of my teams, and I see some people talking on Twitter saying he could go for 20 homers and bat 300 this season. Where are your thoughts on Alec Boehm? Uh,
1: I, th- I think that that is possible. Um, I mean, I think that it's possible for another step up for him. It's, it's interesting because you look at him and he's a tall, strappy guy. Um, and you kind of, you know, third baseman. So you kind of think that um, he should be, you know, he should be kind of a power threat. And throughout the minors and at least early in his major league career, you know, that hasn't been the case. He's uh, hit for a good batting average. Uh, You look at his stat cast stuff and he hits the ball hard and that stuff's favorable. Um, But it's still, you know, it's it's quite a bit ground ball heavy. Uh, He hasn't lifted the ball a lot. Um, And so thus uh, the home runs, uh, like you said, have been, it can be seen as disappointing. I mean, he's also 26. This is, you know, kind of, Last year was the first time he got, you know, even 400 at-bats in a season. Uh, th- these guys take time to develop. I think there's a, um, you know, there's a great contact rate there. I watch him and he's certainly able to go the other way and up the middle. Um, so there's like a, you know, there's like a basic sort of hit tool that's there. Uh, I think the one thing and and he's, all, you know, he's really gotten off to a good start here early in spring, too. And uh, when he's able to kind of open up and really uh, pull the ball uh, in the air, um, you know, he's been able to do he's been able to do some damage. Um, that just hasn't happened in the regular season uh, as much as uh, as much as Phillies uh, as the Phillies and or uh, some fantasy players would like uh, again, he's sort of, he's young and I think has some, uh, foundational, uh, hitting tools that you like when you look there and especially, uh, you know, especially where he's gone in those drafts. Uh, he's, I, I think he's a great sort of target if, if, uh, you know, if you miss out on those top third basin, which is going to happen because there's only a couple of them. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and and kind of uh, work your way around some of the other, uh, you know, some of the other folks down there. I mean, I think he's a perfectly fine target for uh, a third baseman and or, uh, you know, and and or a corner guy because, again, because of his age and uh, some of the foundational hitting skills we've seen.
0: Yeah, I would be fine. Now, not that I would suggest waiting until this range to take a third baseman, but if you do miss out on your no. targets you want to take care of some other positions in the meantime, and maybe you jump around or so to get Alec Boehm. Yeah. I'm totally fine with that. Either that or, like you said, having him as a corner infield target. I think we're going to see at least, you know, the power might not jump up a crazy amount, but I think 15 home runs is a, generally a good expectation. Mm-hmm. The runs in the RBIs, I think they'll be about the same, if not maybe a little bit better. And the batting average should be, you know, similarly to what it was last year in the 280 kind of range, 270, 280, I think. Yeah. At that price, you know, even though he's not going to give you so many steals, maybe he takes a couple more bags than we saw last season with the new rules. Maybe he gets four or five steals. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm totally there on Alec Bohm at the price. I think it's very reasonable. There's a lot of like pretty much every single member of this Phillies lineup, I'm I'm happy to take a share or two of. Yeah. Uh, there's nobody that I'm really avoiding just because of how prolific this offense should be this season. Yeah. Um
1: and again the nice and the nice thing with Boehm is that uh, you know while he's a high pick and all that sort of thing, given the other firepower that they have and the other veterans that they have uh, you know they're they're not a team that has to put him in you know in a three four five spot uh, and say go get it kid you know kind of thing he can yeah. he can develop down here uh, in the lower third of the lineup um, kind of take his time I think he's he seems to be, uh, you know, a guy that is is willing to kind of take instruction and uh, from both. And this is one of, uh, you know, certainly one of Kevin Long's projects too, uh, as well as learning um, from uh, the veterans like Schwarber and Harper, uh, Castellanos, all that. I know certainly Castellanos has taken uh, taken uh, taken him under his wing a bit too. Um, so I just I just think those kinds of things sort of. Set him up for a uh you know again a, a decent floor of what you can expect um you know maybe he even takes the next step up but even if he doesn't uh it's good you know it's a good uh corner value kind of uh for your team most likely uh at his current level
0: yeah i think he is very reasonably priced and i think that the guy who bats right after him similar situation Uh, another young guy who I think he impressed last season Mm -hmm. kind of quietly. Bryson Stott came up and played in 127 games. He didn't light the world on fire, but he had 10 home runs. He had 12 stolen bases. He struck out less than 20% of the time. He did a lot of things right. And he's going as a fairly reasonably priced second base shortstop option here Mm -hmm. uh, about pick 230. I think he could take a small step forward this year. Maybe give you like a 15, 15 year. Uh, What are your thoughts though? On Bryson Stott? Yeah. I'm, I'm a Stott fan, too. I mean, I hate to sound like a fanboy, <laughs> but, uh, but
1: the, the thing, uh, and I get to watch uh, also the uh, some of these guys come up through the minor leagues. So I'm uh, able to go to uh, a lot of Phillies minor league games just because of the area I'm in. And uh, this, what we saw from Stott, uh, especially in that second half, is just what I saw throughout the minors is just, he is just takes good at bats, um, just battles. Uh, you know uh goes out of his way to waste pitches he can't get to if he's down in the count you know he does all he can to wait for a mistake uh and I and I don't want to act like there's a super high ceiling here but that sort of uh grinder approach again a little bit like Bohm where the, he can hit near the bottom of the lineup for now um, in his kind of kind of second full season um, had a had a really rough start for sure, but improved in the second half. Um, I think he was a little bit gassed by the by the playoffs, and and, and uh, you know I th- he'll tell you that too from uh, some of the stuff that's come out this spring. But another one of these guys that just has a you know kind of a knack for uh, making really good contact um, and can run a little bit uh, will put up double digit. I think both home runs and steals. Um, and, and just give you really good defense, uh, over at second base too. I mean, he, you know, I think he, without them signing somebody would have, uh, just been the starting shortstop. Um, he made some really, uh, you know, really acclimated that acclimated himself well to that position, uh, last year, uh, the end of last year when they stuck him in there. Um, but second base certainly should not be a problem either. Him and Turner uh, there are, are going to be fine. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, again, it's not, it's a little bit like Bowman that there's not a, I don't think about it as a superstar ceiling at all, but it's a really solid floor where he's going uh, in drafts right now. And because of his youth and uh, some of the other, uh, you know, circumstances around them can they can, he could even take a little step up
0: yeah like you mentioned there's not a hell of a lot of pressure i think he will have that everyday role secured they'll let him yeah. grow about bottom of the order like boom uh there's enough firepower at the top or they don't need to push these guys to bat second and third you mm-hmm. know the minor league plate discipline was very good the walk rates routinely well above ten percent uh you know Sometimes, depending on where you look, depending on the level and the sample size, 12, 13, 15% uh, walk rate. There's a lot to like there, specifically going forward in your OEP leagues, I think, as well. Uh, brason Stott might not hit for the highest batting average. He might end up being like a 250, 260 guy. But I think the on-base percentage could be something that sets him apart down the stretch. Uh, maybe not this year. Maybe give him a little bit more time to, to fully work his way back up. But I think he could be a guy who walks 10% of the time at the big league level. I think 15 homers, 15 steals is a reasonable expectation for him this season. And, you know, he is batting at the bottom of the lineup, but he gets on base. The lineup turns over to a lot of guys who can drive him in. So that run number might not be as small as you might expect from somebody batting at the bottom of a lineup when he's going to turn it over to Trey Turner and to Kyle Schwarber and the rest. And, of course, he's going to be batting eighth probably. They might mix up a little bit. Uh Brandon yeah. Marsh projected to be the number nine hitter. Mm-hmm. a lot of hype still around Brandon marsh he's going as a top three hundred draft pick, even though he hasn't necessarily earned that so far on the field. That's more about people hoping I think for more of a breakout for marsh this season. i got to admit i'm not totally sold at the price i don't think it's a horribly expensive price to pay. i'm just not really there yet for somebody who has struck out thirty five percent of the time at the big league level uh, that's yeah. That's my main concern.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it's really interesting, though, uh, looking at his uh, team splits, which we don't often do. Um, And you look after the trade coming to Philly, uh, he hit 288 with a 319 on base and a 455 slugging. He made some he made certainly some adjustments. And this is another, uh, you know, hitting coach Kevin Long sort of thing. Uh, Made some adjustments in simplifying his swing. And I think they paid off. Now, the, you know, the, the 300, uh, 300 or so at bats in LA, where he hit 226, I think are, are dragging his numbers, overall numbers down some. Now, I mean, yes, it was just two months, small sample, it's it's bigger, you know, it's more important to do, to show us that over a, a long term, uh, you know, over a longer term. Uh, but i'm i'm intrigued with marsh uh like i said because of because of working with the hitting coach with the adjustments he made um he's their no doubt center fielder uh they had been you know they had been without a, a really a center fielder for many years and he uh you know he checks those boxes as a young guy that is that'll be just a solid defender um they did platoon him a lot down the stretch but uh Thompson and Long have said that they're uh that he will play more against lefties this year and so that will be that will be a very important thing for him at least at the start uh if he can show to hang in there against lefties and uh do okay then i think he'll get every day uh playing time they you know they had kind of down the stretch there and in the playoffs were pretty much platooning him with Matt beerling, um, who they traded, uh, to Detroit in the, uh, in the Gregory Soto deal. Uh, so I think that, uh, you know, center field, full-time center field is pretty much is is Marsha's, uh, is stead for now. Um, and I'm interested to see again, because of some of the, as he was coming up, some of the hard hit rates, uh, some of the speed he's shown, um, again you know young guy um hitting at the bottom of the lineup which is which is fine but i think there's a little bit uh i think there's a little bit of upside there now i will agree that probably um it he his adp where he's gone in drafts um you're not totally getting a bargain <laughs> off of yeah. that um I certainly, if he makes a step up, I think he's he makes it worth that draft price, um, but there's also certainly have to uh bake into the possibility that he uh you know continues to struggle against lefties, uh, continues to sort of struggle to make contact, yes, kind of gets you some middling power and speed, but the batting average really um, is tough, and so at that price uh you it's not out of the question that you look back. Um, you know, in October and look at some of the other outfielders going around him and, and say, ah, those would have been a lot
0: safer, better choices. Yeah, no, there's definitely potential for him, uh, but we're both kind of in agreement there. I think the price is just maybe a little bit too steep. Um, But we've covered the lineup there in quite a bit of depth. I do want to talk to you about the pitching. Sure. Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, the undisputed one and two, although I have seen... Some people put Wheeler ahead of Aaron Nola in their rankings. Um, where do you stand? I'm I'm assuming you're going to put Nola first because that's what most people would do. But what, what are your thoughts between the two of them? Yeah, I
1: think Nola um, is a yeah is the undisputed number one. Just um, uh, given his health track record, basically. Yeah. Um, uh, there there were certainly times last year where Wheeler uh you know wheeler would have outperformed him in kind of short stints but i think um there's still you know there's still some there's still some injury kind of uh risk at least at least a little bit over wheeler um if you recall during the playoffs they you know were really careful with him uh there was some stuff very at the very beginning of spring training last year um again, enough, just, just enough to kind of put a little bit of doubt in there. Whereas Nola has just been, uh, you know, as, as we all know, just an absolute horse, uh, over the past bunch of years. He's got, uh, you know, three of the last four full seasons, 200 innings pitched, uh, 220 plus strikeouts, um, just does an amazing job taking care of his, uh, body and, and, uh, learning how to do that as he ages. Um, you know, ratios have just been uh, really, uh, or whip anyway, has really been pristine. His, uh, you know, his ERA has bounced around a little bit, but you look at some of the underlying sort of indicators we use at Baseball HQ, uh, an expected ERA that's a little bit different than, um, than the StatCast one, but that's always that's always been fallen within a uh, small range. Um, and other metrics that we have have been, um, you know, again very positive. They just have not. Uh, They've just been great. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, all that to answer your question. Yes, uh, I consider Nola kind of their number one, and I, I'm pretty positive that they do too. I, I imagine he'll, I expect him to be their opening day starter.
0: Nola, uh, if you look at his numbers last year, it's it's crazy. He's one of the one of the few pitchers who threw over 200 innings. His team won the National League, the best team in the National League, yet he had a losing record. He was 11-13. and 13. Mm-hmm. Pitcher wins suck. We all know that they <laughs> suck, um, but that's a blatant example of it right there. Now, he had a 325 ERA last season, and again, he was one of – I don't have the number in front of me. I tweeted this out earlier in the off season. One of, I think, only four pitchers who had all of their pitching indicators, XERA, FIP, XFIP, Sierra, all of them were below three. Yeah, very very impressive. You pair that with the fact that he's striking out nearly thirty percent of batters, and he is allergic to walks. Like literally, he he will not walk you. Yeah. His last four seasons, his walk rate has gone from nine point four down to eight, down to five point two. This past season, at three point six percent. Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. a lot to really like with Aaron Nola, yeah. and that's not to take anything away from Zach Wheeler. Uh, I think health is the, is the big concern there. Will he be able to go out there? and give you a full season? I guess that's the question nobody really knows. For the most of his career, I mean, a lot of his career anyway, he has been healthy uh, multiple seasons of 180-plus innings. This past season, it was 153 very good innings. Are you worried about drafting him at all? Or is it somebody that you're staying away from?
1: Uh, no, not not staying away from. Um, uh, but I often, But just kind of where he falls in the – in the range I find myself uh again just uh choosing other guys that I don't quite have that twinge of of uh injury worry about. <laughs> yeah. Uh wow. I so it's um you know, so it's a it, it's really yeah, it's really interesting because you look at his, you know, over the past three, four years, his E R A and stuff has really uh, been better than better than NOLA's. I mean, you know, been sub three ERAs, uh, really good, uh, you know, really good uh, XERA and width also. Um, But, uh, but so, yeah, so it's not, like I said, it's sort of an odd thing where he kind of falls in that, in that range of, of pitchers. I haven't, uh, I haven't been uh, picking him up in, in drafts. Um, but there, you know, but there are other, there are other pitchers with similar injury <laughs> concerns too, uh, when he's, when he's on, uh, like he was at certain, you know, in, in certain stretches, uh, over the past couple of years, uh, he's certainly a horse with, you know, great, uh, great upside in, in ratios and K's and, and everything. Um, and he's got a, you know, I know he's working on a new pitch now and, and just that's all, all part of it um again there's just a little twinge of the the injury possibility that uh, i think you need to acknowledge
0: yeah i mean injuries with pitchers are they're they're enough to drive you completely crazy because we really i'd like to think that generally the people who are very smart in this community the people at baseball hq the people who write about baseball for a living Mm -hmm. Uh, are good at predicting things like this, and I heard Eno Saris talking recently on a podcast about how uh, I think we're we we overestimate our own abilities with injuries yeah. to to properly evaluate who's going to get hurt and who 's not going to get hurt. Zach Wheeler, as much as there is more of a risk, and i haven 't drafted him once this season, probably because of it in the back of my head, maybe he goes out and throws two hundred plus innings again, and you know this will probably be the year Jacob degrom throws two hundred and twenty innings yeah good I mean. Name. It's not (laughs) going to happen, but that's just goes to show. It's very, very, uh, very, very tricky to figure out who's going to get hurt. If teams were better at this, then guys wouldn't get hurt. And if teams were better at it, then, you know, people like us would figure it out as well, but it's just so hard, uh, to properly predict that being said, though, I think I am still definitely taking Aaron Nola over Zach Wheeler. Uh, you're getting more strikeouts. You're getting more secure health, fewer walks, the whip will probably be a little bit better. Uh, But at the end of the day, Zach Wheeler is still incredibly elite now. Uh, Three straight seasons where he's gone under three in the ERA. I know one of those was 2020, but still, if you look at his career ERA, 342, even with a couple of inflated early seasons there pitching for the Mets. Uh, I I love both of them, but I definitely would prefer Aaron Nola. I think the next most interesting pitcher here is someone who's not even listed in the rotation, and it's Andrew Painter. Um, yeah. We're still waiting on news regarding his injury, unless there's been something that's popped up in the last hour when we've been recording. I don't think the Phillies have given an update. Are you worried? Well, first of all, would you be drafting Andrew painter this season? Would this injury maybe stop you from hitting the draft button without further information coming forward?
1: Um, yes, I have. Uh, first question, yes, I've I've rostered him a couple of places already. Um, I got a chance to um, see his final double-A start uh, last year, in September, in Reading, and it was uh, as good as as good as advertised. Uh, you know, if you've been following any sort of prospect stuff uh, this offseason he's uh, certainly one of the three recognized as one of the three best uh, pitching prospects in the game. Um, he, uh, yeah, he just mowed through a, a double A lineup. Um, like I said, there in his final start, um, it was. Yeah, it just was probably one of the one of the best pitching performances in the minors that I have ever seen. Uh, just the way he commanded his fastball, uh, putting it at different spots, uh, a slider, a breaking pitch that uh, just that they couldn't do stuff with. And it was, you know, it was all the fastball was high nineties and and he was just blowing it uh, blowing it by guys. There was through a couple of change ups that uh, that game too, but didn't really, uh, didn't really need it. Um, so I was not surprised necessarily, uh, when he had that outing last week, um, and got all the, um, you know, accolades from, uh, Carlos Correa and other major leaguers. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the elbow, the elbow tenderness, (laughs) uh, is, is tough and he's never, uh, you know, he's not a guy that has had elbow or injury problems or surgery, uh, yet. Um, I do, I'm, I do not know, I'm not sure what to think that it's been, whatever, three or four days, and they're still waiting to kind of hear the results of, uh, whatever test they went and they put him through. Uh, so the Phillies have been very, uh, you know, secretive about that, which is totally their right. Um, but I, I do uh, makes you wonder in, in the, I, I think it is, uh, I, I did think, I did think it was fascinating that, but starting kind of late last summer, uh, GM, Dave Dombrowski and others started hinting at, you know, that some of these, uh, young pitchers they had and, and Painter was the best one by then, uh, you know, hinting that they could be in the majors as soon as this year. Uh, And that continued throughout the off season. And I think that, uh, you know, barring injury, uh, I mean, they, they were truthfully considering him breaking camp as a number five starter. Uh, He's 19 years old. I think he turns 20 in early April. Uh, I mean, that was, that was going to be a real thing. They, they believed that much in him Um, at this point, even if, even if it comes back that whatever, that it's nothing major, it's just a little swelling, all that kind of stuff. Uh, because of the, because of kind of stopping his progression, uh, I don't expect him at all to make the opening day roster at this point. And I imagine they will, um, you know, kind of ease him along uh, to get him back to that. And of course, worst case is that it's something worse to shut him down for a while. Uh, anyway, but it was, it was a fascinating thing. I, because of what I saw with my eyes and kind of reading the situation, I think it was totally real that he, um, you know, had a had a legit chance to be their number five starter. And so I was drafting him uh, in that way. Uh, but at this point, uh, I think I'll be off of him for now, especially until we find uh, more information in, you know, kind of in three draft leagues.
0: Yeah, we for sure need an update, and I've seen a lot of people kind of impatient on Twitter, hoping for something. I guess people in the middle of their drafts, their slow drafts, trying to trying to figure out if they should take him or not. For my money, uh, and I'm, I'm fairly young, I can't remember the last 19-year-old who, was it Felix Hernandez maybe, the last 19-year-old who came up and had success at the big league level right away as a starting pitcher. It's fairly rare. Yeah, um, Now, Painter is... Painter is good enough, but when you look at, you know, the fact that this is a very successful team, I don't know that they need to be forcing him up necessarily, especially with this injury. Mm-hmm. Like you said, whether it's serious, whether it just ends up being something that puts him on the shelf for a week or you know misses one or two spring outings. I just I just can't really see him being with the team to start the year. The project different public projection systems have him starting 16, 17 games still. Mm-hmm. Maybe those will be adjusted once we see. Some kind of report from the Phillies, but I think his price has gotten very expensive. Routinely in the top 300 picks, Yeah. Uh, the minimum pick recently. Uh, looking at draft champions is 245. I'm sure it'd be higher if I looked at you know uh, different leagues. Let me take a look at the RotoWire champ online. Yeah, the RotoWire online, he's going 221 was the minimum pick. So people are yeah. pushing him up really, really high. Yeah, I-, I just can't see it right now. I could see it throughout the year at some point. Uh, yeah, start the year. I think I think they're going to take their prized asset and probably be more, you know, treated with kid gloves, as they say. I don't know that we're going to see him up uh, April 1st or March 30th. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, in terms of the rest of the rotation here, I mean, I think there's not much of a question that Painter's a better pitcher than Bailey Falter. I'm not so interested in him uh, personally for fantasy. Any interest in Bailey Falter? or even Ranger Suarez or Taiwan Walker, I kind of grouped them all together. I think Suarez personally is my favorite of that bunch, but what are your thoughts on the rest of the Phillies rotation?
1: Yeah, I think um, I, I have, uh, I sort of had Walker a little bit ahead of Suarez. Uh, I think they're both, they're both kind of middle guys. Um, Again, I think the team context uh, really plays a part because, you know, even though we all hate, wins as a category and all that sort of thing that is still one of them and the Phillies should provide win opportunities and uh to an extent both of those pitchers have shown the ability to kind of uh you know be able to stay in ball games uh and pitch into the fifth um the fifth or sixth to be eligible for a win so uh i mean it's it's not i i say that with um again it's really it's really league you know your your league kind of uh dependent but if if you're if you're rostering kind of MLB mid rotation starters like that um I think these guys are are worthy of consideration just because of them uh being on the Phillies I know they're the phils you know probably overpaid some for Walker um but there's some talk about about them trying to get him to throw uh his splitter more um, which you know maybe'll lead to some more strikeouts again it's it's uh nothing super exciting to get uh get fired up about um but in some in some contexts, I think uh that might work I mean Suarez too, just to you know talk just a little bit about him i mean it's it's just an amazing sort of poised guy <laughs> when you watch him uh nothing rattles him uh he goes out there and kind of does what they want the strikeout rate though is really low um but the but the ratio should be uh you know not killer um and uh again he has that win potential so again sort of knowing your league and kind of uh if those guys are interesting or not neither one has a whole lot of upside but uh you know but in but in some deeper leagues they may be uh you know good good bench guys to have to pull into. Uh, you know to pitch whatever when they're in Miami or something like that uh, depending uh, on a weekly basis when you might need them
0: I think they're nice kind of boring options to fill out your rotation at the back end of your draft they're not going to win you your league but they're going to kind of help you out in terms of streaming throughout the season because they're going to be probably at a level where you won't have to drop them you can keep them on your team for most of the season Uh, you know both were very, very serviceable last season. And it's yeah. funny with Ranger Suarez in 2021. I added him after he started getting a couple saves. And I was <laughs> a more saves in a couple spots. And then yep. I was very pissed off when they put him in the rotation. And then he was just amazing uh, in 2021. And even <laughs> last season, he still gave you 10 wins. He still gave you a 3.65 ERA. He was very serviceable. Towan Walker, arguably last season, was the best year of his career. Uh, both of them aren't going to give you a lot of strikeouts but I think they provide a pretty solid floor without a lot of upside just to kind of stabilize the back of your rotations. Somebody that's probably, and I know Nick Pollock has a word for this. A guy, uh, the, the glossary there is so big in terms of <laughs> words he's got, but there's a word for these kind of guys who just kind of stay on your roster the whole year. Yeah. They're fairly boring, but they are going to provide a certain level of productivity where you know you're a little bit better than, a, than streamer level. Yeah. Um, Now, the big conundrum for me when trying to assess this Phillies team is who's going to get the saves, who is going to be the closer. Uh, In Arizona, we were doing uh, draft champions down there. I took Jose Alvarado. I was pretty confident at the time that I was going to get 10, 12, maybe even 15 saves out of him. Now I have no idea, truly, uh, (laughs) who's going to get any kind of saves here. They've since added Craig Kimbrell and Gregory Soto to the mix. I feel like Kimbrell's probably going to get the first shot at it just because he is the name brand, but I have yeah. no idea. Brent, what are your thoughts on the, on the close situation?
1: Yeah, I think, I think this is kind of a mis, misnomer that I've run into some, um, over the past, uh, months as we're all preparing. It's kind of this question of who's going to be the Phillies closer. I think people are missing the fact that this is going to be a committee. This is going to be a job share. Um, they, that's how you know. If you think about, for instance, how the Phillies got to the World Series, that's how they did it. Thompson came in, uh, and and moved it around. Uh, you know, some nights it was Dominguez, some nights it was, uh, you know, they even gave Brogdon a shot. Uh, some nights they uh, gave Alvarado that, but they uh, and David Robertson when he was there, um, you know, now he couldn't trust all those guys all the time. Um, but yet he made it work and, you know, got him within two games of a, of a championship ever since then. That's how they've talked all the off season about that. They're gonna, you know, create this bullpen of, uh, of options for him to use. And I really don't think that there's going to be, I mean, it still could happen. Anything could happen. You know, a couple of guys get hurt and they, and one guy pops and they just stick with him. But there's, I, I think the overall philosophy of things goes, things go well, is that they move it around. Um, so if you ask me one guy, I think probably I like Dominguez's stuff a little better than Kimbrel at this point, so I would think that he would get the most of those saves. But I think, I think it's very possible that you know they have three guys that get between eight and fifteen each, or something like that, uh, between uh, Dominguez, uh, Kimbrel, uh, and either Alvarado or Soto. I mean, bringing. Uh, Alvarado was, was really amazing Uh, after going down mid season uh, when they, when they sent him down to AAA uh, came back up. And um, even though again, his season long stats his walk rate looks crazy and and out of place. If you look at kind of when he came back up after, after working through some stuff in the minors, it was uh, not pristine, but a lot better. And I, if that can, continues. I think, you know, you're right that he'll get some of those, uh, last ninth inning shots, but again, they're going to manage the game, uh, lefty righty, uh, you know, kind of throughout that, that last part of uh, last part of the game. And there, and there's going to be, you know, there's going to be times when each one of these guys get the final out and get the S next to their name. Um, but it's, but it's, it's going to be that more than, oh, we're going to save Craig Kimbrell for the ninth inning. Um, and I, I do really, I mean, I think I, I, I do like bringing in Kimbrell and Soto uh, and even Matt Strom further down, uh, you know, another really hard thrower. Uh, there's And there's even parts of Connor Brogdon that's down there that when he's on, uh, there's, he's a big fastball changeup guy. And when, when he has confidence, he pitches well. I mean, I just think that they have a stronger bullpen, uh, and a manager and uh front office is kind of willing to mix and match those guys uh, and get them to the win at the end of the end of the game uh, as opposed to having one guy to go to so I think that's that's the best I can tell you <laughs> for fantasy uh
0: you know it's I
1: don't think it's a place to fish for a twenty plus
0: saves guy if you were going to rank them based on their price. Uh, Dominguez going about two thirty, Kimbrel about two sixty five, and then Alvarado and Soto about three sixty. Based on the value you're getting, would you just go for the cheaper options there, or would you maybe pay up a little bit more, hoping that you get maybe a slight majority with Dominguez? Or what? What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah,
1: I would. I I would tend to. Um, I think that I think that Dominguez and Kimbrel are reasonably priced. Uh, for where for where they're going, I do think Alvarado is is uh, is cheaper uh, than I mean I think he I think he's going to out earn his draft spot more because um, I I do think that there'll be times when they'll need you know Kimber will have pitched for a couple of days and they'll need Sir Anthony in the seventh and eighth and they'll still be up and Alvarado will be the one to finish it in the ninth. I think that his I think that Alvarado is going to out earn his draft spot out of the out of that quartet. I I'm I'm really wait and see on Soto just because the skills have been, eh, you know I mean just the walks are crazy. The the thing I like is that he gives them another option from the left side, and they've you know they've shown with Alvarado that they've you know th- there's certain parallels to me with Alvarado and Soto when, when they came in here, I mean, just crazy hard throwers from the left side. And if you can even get them to a, to a level where the walks aren't killing you, um, they can just be super effective. So if they happen to turn Soto into some facsimile of Alvarado and have two of those guys, uh, I mean, that just means, that means one more pitcher deep, you know, from the left side certainly that they can go to earlier um so that's that's my long-winded answer i mean i think i like i like sir anthony dominguez the best because of the stuff uh he does have he can get into some walk problems uh Kimbrell, i think is a smart play where they got him but the age and kind of the recent uh performance i think gives you a little bit of pause um but he also has, you know, that, of course, that experience, I think, too, that uh, he is familiar, certainly, with the late innings and and uh, will do, you know, it's a chance to do fine there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like all of them to varying degrees, but I think if you want to save yourself some headaches throughout the season, just try and avoid it if you can. Maybe pay up a little bit more for particular guys, your haters and your yep. Diaz's and your classes, as opposed to worrying about this kind of situation and similarly with like the Cubs and there's a couple other teams, the Mariners, yeah. uh, there's, you know, try and avoid those if you can and go for more of a sure thing. Uh, but Brent, I think we've covered the Phillies in quite a bit of depth. Is there anything we might've <laughs> missed anybody that you think we should touch on before I, before I let you go or any particular points maybe? Uh,
1: no, I think the one, the one other quick point about the bullpen is just that, um, if you're, the thing about like the Phillies as well as some of these other really good teams that we don't know about, uh, that, uh, you know, about a closer. And I think of like LA at this, uh, the Dodgers, for instance, is that, that I think sometimes doesn't get talked about enough. Is that you know, these sorts of high leverage relievers, whether it's this trio or quartet in Philly, or like, uh, Phillips, Hudson, Gratterall, Vesia, or whatever in LA is that the, even though they're, uh, you know, you're not sure how the saves are going to work out. They're all going to pitch in high leverage and they're all in really good teams. So if they're in high leverage and really good teams, I think their win potential goes up, too. Now, it's not a huge uh, thing, but it's just another added possibility that, uh, you know, the Phillies are or, or the Dodgers are down one in the eighth. And the other team has a couple guys on. and They're trying to make sure they shut the door and they bring in Gratterall, who gets the two outs you know, then they score a couple in the ninth and Gratterall gets the win. I think that that's a, that's a, you know, a secondary consideration of, of some of these really good offensive teams specifically that have uh, skilled relievers that don't have a set bullpen guy that are, you know, are a place to think about like getting a little bit of extra uh, positivity uh, out of these guys. So
0: Yeah, I mean, I've had success as recently as last year rostering closers who are not not necessarily even closers, relief pitchers, who aren't giving you a ton of saves. It was Munoz last year, Jason Adam, Mm -hmm. uh, guys who had single-digit save numbers but still gave you a handful of wins, great strikeouts, great ratio. So saves are not the be-all and end-all necessarily. I mean, there's certainly something you should be looking at uh, with a lot of focus, but there are relievers every year who do have value uh, despite maybe giving you single-digit or low-end double-digit saves. Uh, so definitely a great point there but brent i I really appreciate you you coming on today. It was great to talk with you again
1: yeah, appreciate it uh fun fun doing that, and uh best wishes to you and uh your listeners and uh the pod appreciate it
0: thank you brent uh before before I do let you go, you want to just remind everybody once again uh things you got coming up, where you can be reached
1: sure. Uh, all of our stuff uh, is, is at uh, BaseballHQ.com. There's a uh, We have two subscription plans. One is just for the draft season, uh, and then one is for the full season. Uh, you can find information on our uh, two books, The Baseball Forecaster and The Minor League Baseball Analyst there. And uh, once we get to June or July, you'll start seeing uh, some info there on the planning for uh, First Pitch Arizona, which we talked about uh, next fall. And, uh, you can always find me on Twitter at Brent HQ and, uh, and follow the site, uh, at, at baseball HQ. And, uh, I think
0: that's it. Yeah. You guys should definitely be looking into book in Arizona. You should be taking your time off work first weekend of November as soon as possible and getting down there. You get your hands on a couple of great books that will help you get ready for baseball season and you get to converse with some great people. There's no downside. There's truly no downside Uh, to heading out to Arizona or Florida, whichever one you prefer. Florida just finished for this year. Uh, But next year, Arizona, Florida, all the great events that Baseball HQ puts on. You guys have been very kind to me over the years, or over the years, uh, over the last year, (laughs) I should say, uh, coming onto the show and being very gracious, yourself, Ray, and Ryan, and Patrick. You guys have been fantastic, so I appreciate uh, you guys kind of welcoming me into this community uh, the way you have, so that's much appreciated. Make sure you're checking out Brent over on Twitter. You can find links to his stuff there at Brent HQ. You guys want to follow me, you can do it at Joe Orico 99. And make sure you're checking out baseball com and sportsethos.com to get yourself all ready for the baseball season. But guys, we'll see you tomorrow. We're going to keep doing team previews. But until then, take care. Have a great night and cheers.